You're listening to the Binge Media Podcast Network on BingeMedia.net. And now, the Binge Aftertaste. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. Many ages ago, when this ancient planet was not quite so ancient, long before man recorded his history, it was the time of Middle-earth, when man shared his days with elves, dwarves, wizards, goblins, dragons, and hobbits. In the lands of Middle-earth, in an area known as the Shire, there was a village named Hobbiton. There, in a hole in the ground, lived a hobbit. Welcome to the Binge Movie Aftertaste Rankin Bass Lord of the Rings Retrospective Series. Well, you have put your foot in it this time. Join Garrett. I am strong. 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 Matt. While I look foul and feel fair, is that it? And Adam. The first time that I've ever feared for him as they look at the three animated films that started the wheels turning on what would eventually become one of the most lucrative franchises in film history. I was frozen today! Why are there lawsuits connected to these films? I said you have no choice, Sam. Why does Ralph Bashi have such a fire up his ass against Rankin Bass and pretty much everyone? Gone again? I wish I was a wizard. And what did Peter Jackson take from these films and then incorporate right into his? Is that not enough? Find out as you listen to the one podcast that rules them all. Coming up, courtesy of Binge Media. Look, trolls! Return of the King. Originally aired May 11th, 1980. Directed by... Jules Bass and Arthur Rankin Jr. And I have no idea how many people watch this fucker because there's no information on this. Kind of like this movie. This movie took me by complete surprise, boys. I got to admit, I knew of the other two when I started doing research for this and was going to put this retrospective together. I'm putting a schedule together. You know me. I, I'm such a stickler for continuity. I'm a stickler for doing everything. And I look and I'm like, holy shit, there's another one here. So I had to have another conversation with Alex and say, "Uh uh-oh, there's another one I got to put on. God damn it, Garrett, the schedule's final. I got to put one more on. Let's see if the fight was worth it. I am once again joined by my two Hobbit friends, one, Mr. Adam Bunch. What's going on, Adam? Hello, everybody. Early nor late, I arrive just as I mean to. And my very busy co-host, the one and only Matthew Goudreau. What's up, Matt? The greatest adventure has been me trying to get through these fucking movies. <laughs> <laughs> he is showing his hand already. Yeah, I had no idea about this, but I got to tell you, the more I looked into this, this thing has quite a history. They did The Hobbit, and lo and behold, Bakshi had The Lord of the Rings going at the same time, and they released that. And Rankin Bass, <laughs> two years later, wouldn't you know it, we have... This movie, right after Bakshi's movie. And there's been a lot of back and forth about this. There was a rumor that Rankin Bass saw what Bakshi did with Lord of the Rings, and they said, fuck it, we're going to go ahead, just put that other one out there, just compete with it, and make sure it's better. But Rankin Bass says this was planned all along. This thing was springboarded, and they didn't end up competing, but they ended up coming afterwards. And I got to say, without giving away my hand, this is the most bonkers, batshit fucking movie I have seen for this retrospective. We're not going to review Peter Jackson's Meet the Deedles, but I'm pretty sure that'd be the only thing that would be fucking more bonkers than what I what I watched for this retrospective. Guys, did you guys have any idea about this movie before we go into it? I knew about it only, though, because other than as we discussed a couple weeks ago, I'm a huge fan of that Hobbit animated movie. But this I remember finding out about it after peter jackson's movies that there was another animated so that's the only other time i had seen it before doing so for this right here so i knew about it but it wasn't a frequent watch frequent watch but you had watched it before 
I'd watched it once before quite a while ago. Yep. Oh, wow. All right. Well, you already have one on me, and I'm assuming you have one on Matt. Matt, were you aware of this? What were you expecting when we were about ready to watch this sucker? Well, considering I was over two on the previous animated endeavors that we've discussed already, I kept my expectations very minimal, especially because while I have not seen this movie up until this first viewing that I did, I was aware of the reputation. And I knew that even people who really like the original Rankin Bass Hobbit film or the Bakshi Defenders kind of throw this one, much like the ring, they throw it into the fires of Mount Doom <laughs> and, and hope that it never sees the light of day again. But I tried to keep myself optimistic, although I will say, since I'm not on the Lord of the Rings shows, I will show my hand and say that this is my least favorite of the three books, and this is my least favorite of the three Peter Jackson movies. Keeping that in mind, I really tried to keep my expectations just tampered off. They were Hobbit-sized, to be perfectly honest, because I just... I thought the Rankin-Bass Hobbit film was, was a slog to get through, and I had kind of an underwhelming experience with the Bakshi Lord of the Rings. So between that and the fact that I couldn't find this fucking thing streaming anywhere, yeah. so I had to buy a goddamn mm-hmm. DVD. I couldn't tell you the last movie I bought a DVD for, <laughs> for. At least everything else I could find on Blu-ray streaming. No, this thing hasn't even gotten an HD release. So all the cards were out on the table that I thought this movie probably wasn't going to be a great experience. But hey, maybe third time's the charm. You know, I'm usually pretty good about where there's something available for a decent price and whatnot. I like to have my co-hosts prepared for these things. Matt, I don't really worry about because Matt's kind of taken up my mantra of buying the movies we do reviews of. And I have like a whole shelf just dedicated to our reviewed films. But this was one... Adam, you text us, and I was just thinking. I was I threw my arms up and I said, "Dude, I have no idea." I did exactly what Matt did. I bought a copy of this fucker on Amazon, <laughs> and it was it was not the best quality, by the way. This thing is so fucking hard to find, and that might have something to do with the fact that you guys aren't the only ones that were wishing this thing didn't see the light of day. The Tolkien Estate also did not want this thing to see the light of day because. They sued Rankin Pass because they said that they had not secured the U.S. and Canadian television rights to this book. The lawsuit was settled amicably, and uh, they were allowed to proceed with a May 1980 release. But this already had gone through so much before it had even seen the light of day. So, yeah, you know, and and the Tolkien estate, you know, I want to just put this out there. They say they're very protective of this thing, (laughs) of of this whole series and Tolkien's whole oeuvre of stuff. And you know what? When you put a movie out there called Tolkien, which came out a couple years ago, and I just watched for the first time, I think last year sometime, you guys are just as money hungry as everybody else. They took that paycheck for that movie. And so the fact that they're trying to protect this, I think, is a load of bullshit. Honestly. Yeah. Like I said, I had no idea about this. I knew Roddy McDowell was here. And the only way I know Roddy McDowell (laughs) is because I liked Fright Night a lot growing up. So it was cool seeing that he was coming. But other than that, I I knew the the other cast was here. And I knew, as Matt, I knew of his reputation. And that was pretty much all I could tell you about this before I popped the sucker in. All right. Are you ready to dive into this, boys? Let's have the greatest adventure. That was way better quality than what we got. Uh, we, we get a prologue detailing how epic the story really is about how a fall from darkness and a return to light happens. This prologue, more than anything we've seen so far, guys, it seems like it's on cocaine, doesn't it? I mean, they are moving through this fucker. It is a heck of a thing to say, you know, hey, we're just going to create a song to completely catch you up. In case you've missed what came before, I mean, that's that's kind of ballsy to... We're going to give you the third part or fourth part of a story and just here's a five minute song to catch you up. (laughs) Here's what's crazy to me. You know how they talk about the Peter Jackson Return of the King has too many endings? This movie's got too many fucking beginnings. (laughs) (laughs) You got got Gandalf saying what happens at the end. You got Gandalf Uh saying what happens at the end again. And then you got the stuff of Bilbo's birthday party. And then you get the song. It takes so much for this movie to get going. And it kills all the dramatic tension because all the main characters are alive and well telling the story. So why should I give a shit about anything that's about to happen? 
Yeah, I didn't realize this entire movie is a flashback from the opening yeah. scene. There's no suspense as to who lives or dies at that point. And it's also not a sequel to the Bakshi film. It's basically a direct sequel to The Hobbit. But by doing that, you have to know the entire structure of Fellowship and the Two Towers in order to have any remote understanding of what is actually going on. So I don't know how an outsider or someone who's only seen The Hobbit can go into this movie <laughs> and understand what's going on. It boggles my mind, and good lord, the movie starts out with some pretty terrible vocal acting, I must say. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned that coming in, this was a sequel to The Hobbit. And let's not forget, in the late 70s, early 80s, we didn't have Blu-rays and DVDs to pop in right before we go to theaters or stream it right before we go into the theater. So people who had seen that, if, you, if they had seen it, it had been a number of years before. And so now you fight to get this thing on the air. I don't know if they did like a replay of The Hobbit before this hit the airwaves. Maybe they did, and that was the way they refreshed. But other than that, there's like no way to refresh your memory before this thing even hits the air. Mm -mm. Voice acting. Yeah. Who in particular, Matt? So especially Marion Pippin. And I do think it's a misstep having Orson Bean voice both Frodo and Bilbo. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Definitely. I, I will say John Houston's still good as Gandalf, and Roddy McDowell is probably the standout of this entire cast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But... Okay, I'm going to jump right to the song, because this, <laughs> this, shit, this shit almost broke me, and I was five minutes into the movie, and I'll tell you why. The song is called Frodo of the Nine Fingers in the Ring of Doom. <laughs> now, in the book, let me say, there is a minstrel who does indeed sing a song called that, although the trick is, the lyrics are never mentioned in the book. And your imagination can run rampant, because whatever you come up with is going to sound better than this shit. Not talking about his voice. Glenn Yarbrough's got a good singing voice. But these lyrics fucking suck. I had to write down a line that just drove me nuts. Because I, I have like pages of notes on this fucking movie, of all things. <laughs> when Bilbo found that shiny ring in Gollum's Cave of Gloom, he never thought that it would turn into a ring of doom. There is so much wrong with this from principle. <laughs> it does not turn into the ring of doom. It is always the one ring. You just don't know that until decades later. It is the Ring of Doom, not a Ring of Doom. Why does he have nine fingers? Where is the Ring of Doom? Why am I watching this shit? Because I would rather be anywhere else, and I'm ten minutes in, and I'm already mad. I, I picture Garrett. This is like the biggest troll job Garrett has ever sent me, because I was just like... <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know if I could finish this. That 97 minutes... I kept putting on the info button on my Blu-ray just so I could see how much was left. And I was checking it every five minutes. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> for those who tried download, for those of you who downloaded this thinking this was, and you heard that tirade and thought this was Peter Jackson's The Hobbit. No, no, no. We're, we're only on the Return of the King, the 90-minute version of this story. And Matt's already waiting for this movie to end. I can't wait to see what he says about those. When I heard these songs, and God, there are so many songs in this fucking movie. Oh, um, you know what I thought of? Matt, remember when we did Fast 6? And I said pretty much, I think the way that story was come up with was Vin Diesel, Chris Morgan, and Justin Lin kind of sitting in a line and smoking some pot and coming up with things one after another. Hey, wouldn't it be funny if Letty had amnesia. Yeah, let's do that. I have a feeling that's how these songs were made. This movie has a real hippie mentality to it. I would rather be watching Fast Sex. <laughs> I would rather watch the goddamn animated short things that Alex mentioned than this. Because at least Fast and Furious, I was hoping for Vin Diesel to show up in this movie at some point and just instead of Eagles, it's a group of Dodge Chargers that come in and wipe out all the Yorks. That would have been. Ah, c'est magnifique. Well, I mean, this and Lord of the Rings, the last movie, you put those together, and it probably equals the length of Fast 6, but well, I digress. <laughs> we cut to the 129th birthday of Bilbo's Age of Kin as they sit around a table wishing Bilbo the best as Bilbo falls asleep. Oh, I'm sorry. He's just resting his eyes. I thought he died right there. <laughs> <laughs> We get another recap of his adventure in The Hobbit, and Frodo says that he lost the ring. It's quite obvious that Bilbo still craves his power, but Samwise just wants to smoke. <laughs> you know, they brought back the character designs in this, and God, 
I, I'm glad they brought these back as opposed to the last movie, which the character designs in the last movie were pretty terrible. But Samwise just looked, I don't know, he looked and sounded odd to me. But Matt, you said you liked the Roddy McDowell portrayal of this? Uh, I like his portrayal, although I've never been crazy about the Rankin Bass designs of the Hobbits in particular. I think most of the other characters look good, uh, save for the orcs. I think that those look like I, I've seen paper mache be <laughs> more threatening than those than the orcs that are in this movie. <laughs> but, but as it pertains to Sam, they gave him these Martin Scorsese eyebrows mixed with Jimmy Durante's nose. And, and none, none of the other hobbits really look like that. And Mary or Pippin, I don't know which one, looks like their head was stuck in a torture rack and it's like three times as big as everyone else's. <laughs> none of the animation, especially with the character designs, are consistent at all. Because at least in Bakshi's Lord of the Rings, Sam notwithstanding, Sam, I don't know what they were doing in that one either. Frodo, Mary, and Pippin, they all look like they're the same race. You know, they're all the same height, identical hairstyles. Maybe it was just easier for the animators to do it that way. Most likely just a color palette change, but... I think Ryan McDowell is great, but part of that is just I'm so used to hearing his voice as a Planet of the Apes fan, and uh, mm. Batman the Animated Series, all I hear is the Mad Hatter. And yeah, you're right. I love Fright Night as much as anybody. <laughs> I've definitely been wanting to do that series for a while. So it is while taking a puff, Bilbo sees that Frodo is missing a finger, and he becomes known as Frodo of Nine Fingers. <laughs> at least they got the right and, finger, at least. That's the one thing, yep. they, the one thing they got right. <laughs> we get his song we get matt's favorite song the song about the ring of doom as it's known at this point we're in the midst of a massive recap why did we bother doing those first two shows because they are recapping a lot here adam matt's been doing a lot of spewing of hate how are you feeling at this point you, you've heard a couple songs you're going through the beginning here did you have any nostalgia for this were you happy about what you were seeing what what are you feeling at this point, it struck me I'm happy to get the character designs back, and I like the way that they look because I like that original Rankin-Bass look to it all. And then we get into it, and I'm learning all about Frodo and his nine fingers. And uh, I'm enjoying this part, right? But that's me. My wife walks in the room while this is going on and goes, why the fuck are they singing about this guy having nine fingers? <laughs> <laughs> and then leaves the room and leaves me to watch the rest. So... <laughs> So she's on Team Matt here. <laughs> but actually, I'm digging the way that it's sinking me back into the Rankin-Bass world than it did what we had last week. We see that evil is everywhere. Though Aragorn, he, he wants to triumph as king, but not until the ring is destroyed. We see how Samwise saved Frodo. But when they find him, that's when we see that the ring is missing. And this is when we finally get the opening title sequence. <laughs> Way to go. We just went through two movies. We, I saved know. Every, we saved everybody. Two Peter Jackson movies. There we go. 15 minutes in. You, you know what? I, I, I appreciated it enough to actually write it down here is that Samwise is getting some credit right off the bat for being the real fucking hero of this series. And that made me happy. And then throughout this, and I can't be the only one that wrote this down, but there is some innuendo up the frickin' hobbit hole written throughout this movie. <laughs> I mean, it starts out here where it literally goes, I can feel you throbbing with excitement. <laughs> and these lines are throughout this, and this can be incidental. And everyone made me fucking laugh. You know, if this were Bakshi, I might be in tune to what you're saying, but I don't think so. I think they were literally just looking for shit to rhyme. <laughs> so Samwise finds the ring and starts trying to find a way into the castle. He sees orcs in a tower fighting amongst themselves, so he enters and sees Mount Doom in his midst. But he pauses, saying he could be Samwise the Strong. So we get a song detailing his thoughts and that we need to beware of the bear of the ring. You know... I'm going to spew as much hate as Matt in this, but I will say one pretty cool thing. I like that they give Samwise the idea that maybe if he had the ring, this is what would happen. I thought that was pretty creative. Mm -hmm. I don't even respectfully disagree. I just flat out disagree. I'm going to say you're wrong. <laughs> um, I feel like I've been wearing the ring for the past two days since I watched this fucking movie. I hate to – I'm going to put on my, my librarian glasses and talk about, well, in the book, because that's normally not me unless it's Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. But this felt so sanitized. I burst out laughing when he turns all the orcs into the woodland creators from South Park. <laughs> uh, in the book, he's like driven almost to suicide by wearing the ring. But it shows that he 
has almost more conviction than Frodo because he can carry it without dropping to his knees and having to be carried through three movies. But th- this felt so, I-, I think sanitized is the right word. T- he's tempted in the book about sort of Samwise the Strong. That I think that's there. But I also think it's kind of a betrayal of his character because this makes him look like a moron. Well, he is a moron. No, he's not. In trying try to think of the nice way to say this, if he was a moron, he wouldn't be as capable throughout this "quote unquote" trilogy. Because I can't even call this shit connected. Like, I'm pretty sure the DC franchise has more continuity than this <laughs> fucking animated clusterfuck. But uh, God, I, I, George has gotten upset. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say. Speaking of throbbing, that's what my brain's been doing. <laughs> and again, any songwriting, bearer of the ring, the wearer of the ring, he hears a voice compelling him. It should be telling him. 90% of this fucking movie is just songs being repeated over and over. That's the art. Oh, I don't know. I, I just like the different approach. I like when stories veer off from books. I do. I think I think it shows some creativity. And you're saying they kind of allude to this in the book. I like that they're actually showing this. I'm enjoying where this is going at this point, especially after where we were with the Lord of the Rings. This one, I'm it's back in much more of my wheelhouse of the Hobbit, Hobbit style. I understand exactly what Matt's saying and, and why he's not going along with it. For me, though, I'm sinking into it like a bath, and I'm like, I'm comfortable. Wow, we have two totally opposite ends of the spectrum here. This is awesome. <laughs> he actually starts dreaming of the dark power he could possess, and this, more than the other two films we watch, guys, has a real psychedelic feel to it, doesn't it? We're in real psychedelic territory this here. This feels like this feels like heavy metal, almost. Yeah, yeah good, good yeah. call. But my question is, why would power like this draw you in? Maybe that's just the universal question of this story. But it's sort of the problem. One of the problems I have with Lord of the Rings, on principle, is that the ring just gives you like omnipotent power, but that's all it really extends to. And whenever people talk about it, it's usually using it for evil mm-hmm. or using it as a weapon. Because even the Fellowship characters like Boromir says, we'll use it as a weapon to take down our enemies. And I think that's just one of the problems. You know, it's not like the Infinity Stones where you can actually use them to, like, do productive shit. I, I just mm-hmm. think the ring is it's it's kind of limited with the scope. I don't know if this is a Tolkien issue or just something that was a problem at the time in those kind of stories, just with these all-powerful objects. Yeah, I agree. The ring's always been a problem for me because it's just, it does whatever it needs to do. It is the ultimate deus ex machina MacGuffin at one time or at the same time. It's the one ring to rule them all, but it's its own ring. It gives you all the power, but it's going to corrupt. It turns you invisible, but it doesn't turn Sauron invisible. It's uh, it's it's whatever it needs to be at the time, and it's only important when it's brought up. Other than that, it's just along for the walk. Yeah. It's not powerful enough to really, like, affect any of the major battles. Because when you think about Lord of the Rings, the ring actually has no bearing <laughs> ring bearing <laughs> on Helm's Deep or the Battle of Minas Tirith or the Mines of Moria in the first one. Like, it, it's not important no. in any of the major battles. No. We get another montage, this time detailing life in Hobbit Town. Samwise makes his way into the towers, and we see how the once lush towers have just become a set of doomsday devices. We see details of the final battle of the last film, as Gandalf is told of the impending doom by Denethal. You know, the Helm's Deep, we saw it, but we didn't see it, right? Mm-hmm. This is like concluding what went on in Helm's Deep, pretty much, right? Yeah, because that's where it ended last one, and the original yeah. didn't show that whatsoever. So, yeah. Or, wait, Helm's Deep? Gondor. I'm, com- I'm confused myself now. Helm's te- Deep, yeah. Helm's well, Deep, yeah. Well, technically, this is Minas Tirith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the battle in this one is Pelennor Fields. Helm's Deep is already over. I don't think that's part of Gondor. I think that's technically Rohan. Anyway, yeah. not, not, I'm sure Jack and company will correct us. But Yeah, I'm sure they will. Since you mentioned Denethor, that is one of my biggest issues with Peter Jackson movie. I think that depiction is borderline unwatchable. And the problem with this one is that at least the Peter Jackson one has context. Faramir is not mentioned whatsoever because the whole thing of him trying to burn himself alive also has nothing to do with the fact that he's also going to burn his still living son. Boromir is not mentioned whatsoever, so this Denethor character is given no... You're confused as fuck when he orders his own execution. It's just here because it's a part of the book, but they cut all the meat out. It's basically like if you introduce Professor Snape and you cut out all the stuff with him being, like, bullied by, like, Harry's dad and explaining why he hates Harry so much. Gandalf is in a bad position as he's questioning whether he can hold off forces until Aragorn claims the throne of Gandor. 
Meanwhile, Samwise runs into an invisible gate put there by the Watchers. Apparently, all it takes to get rid of this door is a handheld disco ball. (laughs) This was odd to see. He starts following the lights up the stairs until he runs into an orc. There's this weird He-Man type force field sound effect every time the ring emits a power, which I thought was weird. (laughs) Right around the same time. Yeah, good call. And apparently the power of the ring scares it away. So later orc. But when he finds Frodo, he has to fight the orc off again. But he does, only to hold Frodo in his arms, trying to wake him up. Frodo says that the orcs have taken everything, only for Sam to show Frodo that he does indeed have the ring. Frodo takes it, and this causes Frodo to become drunk with power. But once he takes the ring off, this thirst for power disappears. So this goes to write what you guys were saying just a few minutes ago about how this power corrupts, but... Once he takes it off, it's gone. I like the struggle between Frodo and Samwise. Again, I'm going to say every positive thing I have to say about this movie has to do with Sam. I like what Samwise and Frodo are going through here. It's the only thing that's given any dimension. For a movie called Return of the King, Aragorn has nothing to do with this fucking movie. It's kind of sad. All the other subplots, not great, Return of the King, there's a lot. Although you could say that about all of the Lord of the Rings books. But this one in particular, I think they felt so indebted to the Hobbit film that they put all the focus on Frodo and Sam because they're also Hobbits. They dress up as orcs and make their way through the towers. They run from a dark rider, and there's a dispute of whether or not to get rid of the ring. But they move along as they try climbing out of the canyon and look directly at Mount Doom. I like this whole thing of them dressing up as orcs. It reminded me of Bill and Ted from the first Bill and Ted movie when they were going through the castle. (laughs) That's my reference. As they move along, they both feel the need to rest. We see the March of Orcs singing where others a whip. There's a way. Oh my I kind of like this song. Oh God. I'll admit, I kind of like this. I, I, I found this so fucking funny. <laughs> you, you know, Matt, recently, listen to a podcast where you were talking about Fast 9 and you were like, oh, my God, I would love to be looking at Garrett's face right now during one of the scenes. I'm watching this going, I would give a lot of money to be looking at Matt's face right now while they're singing this song. <laughs> a Discord look in when we do these would be fantastic. <laughs> this. All right. First of all, let me run down the list of Jericho. The, <laughs> the, the, the synth baseline is fucking awful. And all it is, it's the orc singing the title to the tune of the baseline. I don't know where the fuck this came from. The, the, the orcs in Lord of the Rings, especially in the Jackson films. Yeah. They're cannon fodder. They get disposed pretty easily. But they're pretty menacing for what they are. A lot of that has to do with the makeup and the design work. You know, they're clearly monsters. Here they just look like the goblins from the from the Rankabass Hobbit, the ones that live underground. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. If they fucked the albino creatures from the descent. <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> was not expecting that punchline. Adam, were you liking this song? Oh, this absolute porn synth thing that they had going on. I, you know, I'm enjoying it. I'm not saying that I like it from a story movement engrossing standpoint, but I'm having a really good time with it. I am. And I can't believe I am, but absolutely. Like, I guess, is a strong word, right? You're just enjoying yourself. I'm enjoying it. And my, you know, Orcs versus Man, my note is pop synth porn music. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming that Matt's not going to end up playing this if we were to go to his studio right now. (laughs) Meanwhile, an orc spots Frodo and Sam, thinking they're orcs, and orders them back in line. Sam instigates a fight between the orcs so that they can get away. Frodo passes out from exhaustion, I guess, as Gandalf once again randomly joins the party. Jeez. <laughs> so this is also the problem with condensing everything. In, yeah. in the Return of the King book and the Jackson film, Gandalf has a very sizable role. Like Unlike Two Towers, he doesn't just say, fuck you guys, I'm leaving. He's, mm-hmm. He spends pretty much the whole book with, in Minas Tirith, and then he's with the Fellowship. Well, what's left of it for the big battle at the Black Gate. Here, it's just Gandalf doing whatever Gandalf wants because Gandalf is Gandalf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you guys mentioned that in the first podcast where it's a big problem. And Jackson doesn't necessarily correct it in his films where Gandalf can just show up whenever. But Saron also shows up and we get the if it's shaking, it must be in motion trick as a huge battle breaks out. <laughs> and Saron speaks in a tone that I know no one has seen because he would use this inflection years later with Bane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Frodo wakes up craving water. 
water, and we get a song about leaving tomorrow until it comes. <laughs> and Frodo gets weird flashbacks to everyone in his life dissolving into an orc, which I thought was kind of creepy for a children's trippy. film. Yeah. yeah, very trippy. This was Pink Elephant's on parade. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> for, for this movie, and I don't think it's Sauron. I think that's actually the Witch King. That, that is the Witch King. Oh, okay. Fights, and you're right. He does sound like Bane, complete with this borderline robot inflection. It just doesn't um, doesn't work. I think the hallucination stuff with Frodo would have been better if the orcs were more menacing. By the way, Matt, I don't want to ever hear another complaint that we don't do musicals because this movie, every single <laughs> step they take, there's a fucking song uttered. <laughs> But you also didn't tell me this was a musical and that I was getting my wish. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a blank check for the amount of go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> Frodo and Sam move along until we get another uplifting song about Mount Doom. <laughs> because Mount Doom is a very uplifting title. <laughs> I mean, technically it is because a mountain does go up. <laughs> That's true. Good one. How do we feel about Gandalf being the one who keeps telling the story, guys? Matt, you kind of touched on it earlier. Do you like the fact that he's narrating this entire thing? Solely because it's John Houston. Again, Frodo, Sam, Gandalf get more to do than Aragorn, who's technically the focal point of this story. It's called he's the, the titular return, character. It's called the Return yeah. of the King. He is the titular king. And you wouldn't know it based on watching this movie. Yeah. They should have called this The Hobbit 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> goes with the music scores there you go <laughs> Frodo asks for strength to try again as Gollum approaches them and asks for the ring once again so here we get Gollum once again they get knocked down the mountain and then he attacks them until Sam grabs the ring and orders Gollum to be gone he proclaims himself to have lost and then crawls away it was weird seeing Gollum here I, yeah I understand he's a big part of this story but it was like he just kind of pops up and then just kind of goes away yeah, yep. it's, it's weird that he's not with them throughout this. Adventure. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't change anything if he's with Sam. I know in the thing in the Jackson movie, he sort of double crosses Sam at one point and him and Frodo because he leads him to the giant spider. Yeah. So it's a little bit different here. But, hey, they don't explain the first two movies. So having this hideous mutant with two hobbits, you wouldn't have to explain it. Mm-hmm. I like they went back to the style. It's kind of a split the difference style on this golem, too. It's not completely the frogman of of hobbit but not the different look that we got last time either so a little bit of an update to him sam finds the door to the gut of the mountain and goes in as the tide in the battle starts to turn with the proven warriors pippin and mary taking out a set of orcs <laughs> <laughs> well they have to because legolas and gimli are nowhere in this fucking yeah where are no. they they kind of just what take a rest like they, they didn't the, want to get into the, the final battle themselves because you don't see them at all yeah very weird Theoden's shield dims, and as darkness falls, so does he. Sam finds Frodo, who, as the song reminds us, is the wearer of the ring. <laughs> and we cut to Sauron as Awen comes to fight him off, and she ends up killing him. This was a twist. Have you not seen the Peter Jackson movie? What? I have seen it, but I haven't seen it in a long time. I was not expecting this in this movie. I was not expecting them to do that in this movie. Yep. No, the big classic, yeah. Might as well do the I Am No Man the dark forces were once again turning the tide as Aragorn returns. Hey, here's Aragorn. At least he's back and pursues them into Mordor. Yes, but where's the ghost armies? <laughs> where's yeah, a lot of things yeah, in this movie? Need, the dead army also explains that's how Aragorn proves he's fit to be king. Yeah, he commands that he's the king. It, you, got, you got the return of Aragorn. You don't have the return of the fucking king because he's not proven it. Nah. Yeah. yeah. If, even thinned down, there's some shit they should have done to better flesh that out. The mouth of Sauron approaches, and I think Ed Norton <laughs> would be more intimidating than this guy. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> now, it's worth noting also that the mouth of Sauron is only in the extended cut of the Jackson movie. I was wondering on that because I'm going, man, is this, you know, how did Peter Jackson leave anything out? I haven't watched any of the extended cuts um, for any of his, so I thought this was just a weird omission on Jackson's part. But it is in the extended. Okay. We cut back to the inside of Mount Doom, where Golem once again appears. Here he is. And finally gets his hand back on the ring as he loses grip and then falls into the lava. <laughs> Fucking uh, dances himself off the ledge. <laughs> <laughs> He literally dances himself into the fucking lava. Yep. 
<laughs> not just that, we also get this is where it turns into Hellfire from Hunchback of Notre Dame because Frodo turns into a cartoon supervillain and starts laughing maniacally when he refuses to destroy the ring. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Frodo, Frollo, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> instead of lusting after a gypsy, he's lusting after Sam. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> the castles crumble as the armies are safe. Meanwhile, Sam and Frodo, they escape the rubble and lava by, wouldn't you know it, an eagle. Lock the eagles. <laughs> these, these eagles, once again, to the rescue. He emerges and takes possession of his kingdom, and the Ewok celebration is on, boys. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to Bilbo, resting his eyes still, and Gandalf says that the New Age has brought forth a new journey, as hobbits will one day be as man are. And when the tales are told, Gandalf says that one day man will ask if there is a hint of a hobbit in me. No! Oh, no! Is there a, there a hobbit in you? <laughs> This was fucking ridiculous. Like, even I know, like, Tolkien had no, if anything, hobbits were going to get smaller as the years wore on. There was no way that man and hobbit would, would morph into one. Like, this is so stupid. Oh, this, this is the time I get pissed off. It's right here. This expo dump is so fucking bad. The, it is. The orcs and the trolls turned to dust. They got Thanos snapped. The elves, <laughs> the elves are going away. The dwarves went back into the mountains. And then Gandalf looks at the camera and goes, Frodo's bigger than Bilbo and something. Like, it's true the hobbits are the closest. <laughs> by definition, they're the closest to men. Yeah. But that's just because if you look at the competition, it's not that hard. And if you know your Tolkien, you know the reason why Mary and Pippin are taller is because they drank the Ent water. Mm-hmm. So they're a little bit taller than the other two. And I, I shit you not, but Gandalf looks at the camera and goes, you all have a little hobbit in you. I, <laughs> I wasn't thinking of the sexual connotations as Adam was. But, um, but oh my god, it was like the freaking... All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this analogy again just because it's been on my mind a lot. Don't ask me why. There's a scene in the Care Bears movie where they... <laughs> where they oh, my God. Where they here we go. They literally look Not at the camera that. and say, we need you to care. Like, it was one of those, it was one of those like, addressed... Uh, to the audience. Yep. Yeah. It's like, hey, just go along with this bullshit. We know it's stupid. <laughs> we cut to Gandalf floating away with his friends as yet another folk song plays... And credits mercifully roll on Return of the King. Oh, boy. That was 90 minutes I can't get back. All right. Scale of 1 to 10. Do I don't even need to ask? Scale of 1 to 10, what do we give the Return of the King? Adam, sir, you go ahead and go. I think of anybody of us, I'm going to probably like this the most. I think that was clear right from the get-go. I'm glad to be back in this animated style. I'm glad to have the songs back. I'm glad to have a version of Return of the King that I enjoy because I'm not a big fan of the Peter Jackson movies as a whole. This runs a little long, and even with that, there's some stuff that needs to be in it. But I actually enjoy myself in a fun way, in a childish way. It's not made for me as a 40-year-old, but it is made for me as a I don't know, 11-year-old, 12-year-old watching Lord of the Rings. I enjoy this more than I enjoy reading the book that I can't really stand to get through. So I don't hate it. I enjoy it a decent amount. I like the songs. I like the animation. And I guess I got a little hobbit in me because I'm going to give it a six. Ah, six out of ten from Mr. Bunch. Matt, sir, you've been unleashing your anger this entire podcast, but put an exclamation point on it. What do you give this, sir? Uh Pip it ain't easy. I gotta say that. Um, <laughs> this movie is the opposite of the book in so many ways. The most literal way is that nothing in this movie feels important or consequential because it's confusing as fuck. Nothing makes sense. And they try to get around that by creating these songs that are, you know, you can tell your backstory through songs. And I think Disney's Beauty and the Beast does that brilliantly with the murals in the prologue of Beauty and the Beast. Aladdin does that with Arabian Nights. Really good tone setters. And you can do a lot with conveying what you need to through music, which is why I like musicals as much as I do. This is the Mamma Mia of animated musicals because it's so in your face and it's so obnoxious. And it's what happens when you take a dark story and adapt it into a romp for young children. And because you do that, you just magnify all the problems and sort of make it worse. Because I don't know who this movie's for. Apparently it's for Adam and no one else. (laughs) 
because I. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the reason why we couldn't pull audience numbers is because most of them probably didn't finish watching this goddamn thing. <laughs> There's one house that was mine. You know, you got three channels, and when the president's on, your night's shot. And I'm like, well, I guess I'd rather watch, I don't know, Reagan, or maybe it was still Jimmy Carter. When this came out, I could name a lot of things I would rather be doing than ever watch this movie again. I'm glad I've seen it for completionist's sake, but in case you couldn't tell by this recording, I hated this fucking thing. This was my Furious 6 with what Garrett unleashed as far as just, it's obnoxious. And it's so, this felt like people smoking pot and saying, hey, what if we did this? Does it make sense? No, because we're just doing this to capitalize on Bakshi's lack of follow-through for not doing a second movie. So, I'll give it a two. Fuck it. The only reason it's not a one is just because it's not one of the worst things I've seen on this aftertaste. It's it's one of the worst, but I don't think it's in the bottom ten. I guarantee next year you'll see way worse. And it's also <laughs> only 90 minutes. Like, how pissed off can I be like this versus something that takes almost three hours of my time? Let me say that I am smack dab in the middle of you two. Look, there's nothing to really say is good in this movie. I, I think the songs get tiresome. I think the narrative is just all over the fucking place. The character design is bad. The voice acting, with the exceptions that Matt said earlier, are bad. This is a chore to get through, and I didn't think so. I sat down ready to watch this. I sat down like, you know, I saw that first one. I kind of dug it. Uh, second one, not so much, but this is a continuation of the first one. Let's do it. And my God, this was so hard for me to get through. If you guys remember, we tried recording this about two weeks ago, and I said I was going to get one more watch in before we started. I fell asleep, and you guys had to wake me up at like 8.30 at night because I fell asleep while watching this fucking thing, trying to take notes on it. It's a bad movie. It really is. And the fact that the token estate sued to get this fucker stopped, uh, <laughs> it's just mind-boggling to me. <laughs> like, we get this out there. Who cares? This is a, this is a pretty bad film. But, you know... I I like the Sam storyline in this a lot. That's the only thing I can actually say I really liked about this. Anytime it veered from that, anytime we even cut to Aragon, who is a non-entity in this movie, the movie's named after him and we barely fucking see him till the end. It's not that good. So do I go three or do I go four? You know, I'll for a couple of the unintentional laughs and the Samwise storyline, I'll go for. It's not terrible, but like you, Matt, I, I won't watch it again. How Adam could give this a six, I'll have no fucking clue. This is going back to our high school days. This is going back to our high school days when me and you would sit around fucking smoke pot and watch Dark City. Uh, I mean... Uh, you know, but and honestly, maybe that's some of where my enjoyment is. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Yeah, he smoked yeah. Some, uh, some old Toby. Uh, the finest <laughs> You know, Gandalf shared some of his smoke pipe. <laughs> I just love the idea that Laura walked in, heard one of the songs, and walked out and never came back. <laughs> That's my favorite part of this entire review. <laughs> oh, boy. So where do we go after this? Well, if you thought 90 minutes was hard to sit through, <laughs> wait till we get to these Hobbit films, boys. <sighs> films? There's only one book, though, right? Right? <laughs> you would think. You would think. But we'll take over that narrative when the time comes. Boys, you know, it might not have been that fun to watch this movie, but it sure as hell was fun reviewing it. These podcasts are the reason why I enjoy doing this show. So thank you, gentlemen. Matt, go rest your heart. <laughs> I know it's beating quite a lot right now. Let it calm. And then uh, we'll come back and do some Peter Jackson. And after that, we, the real fun begins um, as we, we start some Stephen. How he gave us a six. <laughs> <laughs> So until next time, there's a whip, there's a podcast. Thank you, gentlemen. Character ring finger. And he's gone again, like a wind in the grass. The Binge Aftertaste is produced by Garrett and Matt. He had come again. Do I like riddles? Well, yes, after a fashion.
voice narration done by Adam. Edited by Garrett. We did not come here to waste words in treating with the likes of you. No living man may hinder me. No good robbing trolls. I do it for you, Frodo. Ah, this part I remember. My dearest hobbit, friend of friends. Action was called for. It seems I have no choice. The door is closed. Get some sleep, men. We found the perfect place to camp. You got the backup going there, Matt? Uh, yep. Okay. Hang, on one, hang on one sec. Baby, you going to bed? Uh, no, I, I was hoping we'd watch that within the next week, because I we got to review those fuckers soon. Which one? Uh, no, I, t- I told you, I'm not watching The Hobbit by myself. Yeah. Oh my god, I just had this discussion today. <laughs> I'm putting I, this as a blooper, I don't fucking give a shit. <laughs> I started to watch it today, Laura goes, I thought we were watching those together. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> we get another montage. This time, I should say that again. We get another montage. I'm going to write a blank check for the amount of go fuck yourself. (laughs) What what happens? What happens next? I I lost track. Did we just lose Garrett? I think so. Garrett? Shit. Penis battering ram. Come on. Yeah, I think we did. Yep. He left. Yep. God, this movie fucking sucks. He's of all the freaking movies that we can't get through without cutting out and having to make it take longer. Hello. Hey! God damn it. Fuck. All right. We, we, Here we, we go. We just realized because I've never seen the the Shining miniseries. I just looked up the runtime. 
Yeah. Four and a half goddamn hours. Really? Yep. <laughs> Fucking really? Yeah. <laughs> if you start today, you might be able to finish by the time your son's about <laughs> 10 years old. Uh, <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if I have the stamina. That's the thing. <laughs> All right, I am so sorry, guys. God yeah, damn it. Yeah. There goes that wonderful blooper I had at the beginning of this fucking show. Fuck. So you do have the backup going, Matt? Yeah, it's still going. Okay. All yeah, right. there's going to be a 10-minute blooper yeah. of us ranting about Stephen King. Apparently, the <laughs> so the, 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 the DVD for the Shining Man series, because it's not streaming anywhere, so Adam yeah, and I, DVD. Adam and I yeah. had to buy, there was, a, there was a triple feature that was cheaper than the actual miniseries. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, that one also includes it and a Salem's Lot TV show that starred Rob Lowe. Yep, from 2004. We'll be covering that. Oh, you oh, fucking cock. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Rob Lowe, notwithstanding, I like that cast a lot. So, may have, Yeah, may that have cast is that impressive. <laughs> I'm uh, surprised you guys didn't know about that one. No. Oh, yeah. I've. I've been going through getting all of them in preparation. All right, so we just uh, talked about uh, the whole agency. Yeah, Bane. And... Okay. All right. Um. All right. So Frodo wakes up craving water, and we get a song about leaving tomorrow until it comes. And Frodo gets weird flashback to everyone in his life dissolving into. Oh, I already said that, didn't I? Yeah. All right. Theodon's Theoden? Theoden? Theoden. Theoden. That is not mm-hmm. a theatrical cut whatsoever, which is crazy because that movie's already as long as See, I was wondering. The Shining miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Binge Media Podcast Network at BingeMedia.net. Support the show by donating on Patreon at Patreon.com slash BingeMedia. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And don't forget... Shut up! I'm waiting.